Hello and welcome. This is a podcast explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm chief editor of ukraineworld.org. Uh, I'm joined by Tetyana Harkova, who is in charge of international outreach of Ukraine Crisis Media Center. We're making this podcast about the war which Russia started against Ukraine since 24th of February. Hello, Tanya. Hello. So today we will talk about Kharkiv, a very important city, uh, we could say it's a city fortress, 40 kilometers from the Russian border. We w- visited this city a few days ago with the humanitarian mission uh, Ukraine World, Pan-Ukraine, Ukraine Crisis Media Center. We brought some assistance for Ukrainian uh, soldiers who are defending uh, this city and we have seen what, what's happening. So. What is what are your impressions about the visiting the city? Yes, indeed, this visit was extremely important for us personally because it was like we were going somehow back in in time, because Kharkiv is living now what Kiev have lived maybe in March or April, maybe in April in April, so one month ago, one month and half ago. Uh, Kharkiv, let's let's explain maybe to our listeners that um, Kharkiv is the second city in Ukraine of with a population of uh, one. 0.5 million of people. So uh, Kharkiv is, was also capital of Soviet Ukraine starting from 1919 until 30, uh, 34. So during 35 years, it was a capital of this country, of the Soviet Republic, so quite a long time. And uh, this is an industrial city. This is a city close to Russia, very rich in culture, very rich in these um, cultural, I, I don't know, bridges with, with both Kyiv and maybe with Russia as well. Um, Kharkiv was claimed to be a Russian-speaking um, city, at least until 2014. Things have changed in 2014 because Kharkiv was... It was an attempt during this uh, first aggression of Russian Federation against Ukraine to control Kharkiv. Uh, there were people trying to take these administrative buildings, but they failed. So Kharkiv has already experience of this Russian invasion and we were very much worried in the beginning of this full-scale invasion in February because we were seeing the kind of images of Russian tanks entering the city and I, I will never forget this image of the the city administration uh, I mean oblast administration bombarded by missiles it was in the beginning of march maybe the first or second of march and because of civilian infrastructure in a huge missile arriving to to, to this building and a those lot of who are fire... watching us on youtube uh, yeah. i hope uh, we, we are sh- we will show this yeah, we'll show this uh, video and and you probably remember that if you're following the the Ukrainian events, but uh, this is, for example, how it looks and like. And it was a kind of decision for, for us personally as well, because I do remember the, the impression it had, because it was maybe the, maybe one of the, the first uh, attacks against civilian infrastructure, not military one. So, and th- at that very moment, we decided to, it was a part of our decision to flee, to, to, to go to the west of the country, just to be in security. I mean, for our children and for our parents, but I, I will never forget that. And we, we were so eager to, to go there to Kharkiv to see with our own eyes what was going on. And it's quite impressive now because today you can take a simple train, just a normal train, and you travel there just in in the previous life there to the city. And you see that the uh, city tries to live normal life despite 
in constant shelling and uh, it's still bombarded. I mean, many, many um, places in Kharkiv are destroyed, but the global impression is, the, let's talk about global impression, is that this is a real fortress and uh, the city continues to live. Yes, we can compare it with Kyiv. Uh, I think that uh, people started coming back to Kyiv, of course, earlier because, uh, well, Kyiv is uh, still under the target of Russian missiles. But Kharkiv is different. It's not only about missiles, because several missiles we have seen, the, the now the building of the regional uh, administration, which is just a skeleton of the building. So it's just you can look through the windows and uh, and and just go uh, look through it. And uh, so there is nothing inside already. Uh, we have also seen some other buildings. Let's let's not name it because uh, it's it's basically we see that the people, the military people, who are asking people not to not make photos, but they are also in the central uh, central Kharkiv, including, for example, the university building and uh, huge missiles with uh, huge uh, capacity, which basically destroyed everything which is there. So we have seen, for example, the. Uh, the, the fragments of of uh, of the building. We have seen the the documentation, the university documentation, which you know students are are actually uh, having to to have to have their grades, etc. And this is in the central of Kharkiv. So, contrary to Kiev, in which we don't see well, the the, the war of course missile strikes to the Kiev downtown mostly not to the downtown but a little bit far away in Kharkiv you, you really see the the buildings in the downtown including the uh, administration buildings uh, which were targeted yeah and that's it and the the most important issue you started to, to talk talk about that is that Kharkiv at that very moment is still the target for Russian artillery not only for missiles but it is closely geographically close to the border and still let's also fix it for our listeners that at that very moment about 30 percent of Kharkiv region is still controlled by Russian army because it, it was a kind of huge great really great not the city but the oblast uh, oblast, the, the oblast region. Re region region uh, Ukrainian army started its uh, counter attack in Kharkiv region in the beginning of May um, if I'm not mistaken 5th of May maybe maybe around that date and it lasted for two or three weeks and they were lucky enough to liberate the most of the of the region but not the the whole part because the north northern north part of this region it is strategically important for Russian army because they they have a railway going to down to Lugansk region and they that's why they are so uh, eager to keep it, to keep the control of it. So still some troops are on the ground and they're quite close. Uh, for example, village uh, Tsirkuni, some somewhat 9 or 10 kilometers to the northeast of Kharkiv, is still under constant shelling every day. And uh, some artillery systems are able to reach uh, um, several districts in Kharkiv as well, st st even today. So we are not talking about missiles, we are uh, talking about ar uh, artillery. And when you arrive in the city, 
uh, I remember this uh, this uh, sound we already forgot here in Kiev. You know, the sound of artillery is very close. It means that people they this is not a normal life. They they feel the presence of Russian army, which is not so far away, maybe uh, 30, 40 kilometers from the city. So it changes everything. But at the same time, you're quite impressed when you arrive to Kharkiv today that you you see people in the streets, you see tramways, metro is functioning. Uh, you see a lot of cars, quite a lot of cars. Um, Kharkiv is quite a big city with very broad streets, broad rail, um, streets really, huge buildings. This is not like uh, Paris, uh, um, Paris, I don't know which city to compare. Um, it is quite bro broad, a huge space, you know, and you have people who are there and uh, they are trying to, 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 to go back. So the population of Kharkiv is 1.5 million. So it let us say it's at least twice, maybe three times less than Kiev. But still the city is huge. And people are coming back as far as we understood. People are coming back. And some people tragically come on coming back because there were families already back in the city. And one of the families was killed several weeks ago, two weeks ago, um, baby of five five months old and the father was killed by by this shelling and the mother was wounded at that very moment. So there were people who escaped from Kharkiv during these dark times in March and April. They were back and they were killed in the city. And even today there were news about civilians killed in um, in the city. So it happened, it's happening. Yes, and when we left, by the way, when we left from Kiev to Kharkiv, there were missile attacks on, on Kiev uh, on several places. So it also shows that uh, Kiev is also is not a safe city. But uh, in Kharkiv, you, s you have this district, the famous district Saltivka, which is, uh, which is a <coughs> residential district where people, people are just uh, having their homes multi-store buildings like in, in a typical in a typical Soviet city like Troyeshina in, in Kiev I think there is several hundred thousand people are living there right maybe even so half three, a million th three four uh, hundred thousand yeah maybe yeah, up to half a million and it, it is heavily damaged especially the the streets which are Close. closer to the uh, to the circular to the how to say it circular street right uh, circular streets from the, the road the ring from roads. which russian tanks were yes arriving. and uh you can also uh watch uh, the the videos that we made from uh, from this district this is this is horrifying uh all those huge buildings of uh, 16 floors for example they just uh, are burnt like uh like a piece of a piece of wood and uh it's you, you see the people who are coming back to get some some of their belongings who go to this somehow to this uh, floors upper floors and somehow get this the, 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 these things uh, uh, this district was closed for public uh, until two weeks ago 
because it was extremely dangerous to be there and we imagine that we have witnessed people coming back so maybe they were allowed finally allowed to go back to their homes and we do hope that uh, not a lot of people were killed there because there were massive shelling from the very first hours of Russian Russian invasion and we do hope that most of people were able to leave this district but still what we see so it's it's about thousands of people maybe tens or maybe tens of thousands of people who lost their homes and what um, people say on the ground that it will be impossible to repair these buildings so the only solution is to, to destroy everything and to rebuild something else in a different place so this is a lost place in a way this is a lost place in, in a big city this is only part of the city but still it's lost home for for many many families but that uh, we are talking about a specific several specific streets if we're talking uh, about the whole district also the people are coming back so we we have seen quite a few number of, of people quite a few number of cars the markets are starting to reopen let's say that the markets uh, is a very important topos for kharkiv uh, and there is a, a big market, I think, the, the biggest market in Eastern Europe, which is called Barabashova, which was also a target for, for Russian attacks. There were some, some incendies, some fires. But it seems that in some parts of this market, uh, people were already coming back to trade. And this is also remarkable how Ukrainians in different places, if, if we went uh, across the villages, for example, here in Kiev, and we have seen how many people are coming back to their life, they're seeding their, their plants, so that they're really trying to, to get it. And, and here in Kharkiv, really people trying to reopen their shops, coming back to the, uh, to the, to, to, to the markets, for example, etc. Yeah, that's it. So this is uh, kind of a new life for Kharkiv. And I'm still wondering why the Russian army was not able to take Kharkiv. Because maybe because it's too big. Maybe because it was too... Uh, for, it's for fortified. Well, but uh, they didn't even approach it. So they shelled it heavily. We have seen these fights. Basically, you, you, you see it's very clearly. So they shelled the residential buildings, but it's only on the outskirts of the city. But there were also tanks inside Kharkiv. In well, the there were days, tanks inside right? Kiev. Well. So it was the same scenario, but it was too big and too strong to for for their army. But they stayed quite alone in Kharkiv region, uh, longer than in Kiev or Chernigiv or Sumer region, because in Kiev they left in the end by the end of uh, March, and so it took one one more month for Ukrainian army to push away Russians from Kharkiv. But so forty kilometers from the Russian border. So, so still, this is a kind of when we are talking about existential danger at the border, talking about the whole Ukrainian Kharkiv, you feel that because you are just really close to Russia. And uh, one of my reactions was how it's possible to live so close to Russians. So it is something incredible. You cannot longer really live so closely to to Russia. Let's talk about the other side. So uh, we, we also made those who are watching us on YouTube. You can also see the videos of a, of a peaceful Kharkiv. You can see the big Ukrainian flags over the city. And the cultural life is also, is also there. Of course, Kharkiv is now famous for, uh, I think, one of the genius Ukrainian writers, Sergei Zhadan. Uh, the, 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 the one of the symbols of Ukrainian literature right now. And uh, we made a short interview with, uh, with Sergei Zhadan and uh, we suggest you to those who, who are watching us on YouTube to have a look on this video. 
And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's impressive how, for example, what the work is being done by Jadan and his friends. So every day they are, they are moving around in, in the city, bringing some humanitarian aid, bringing some help to Ukrainian soldiers on the front line. So they really turn, they're really a big volunteer center. Another, um, another aspect of this volunteer center is the church. The church, uh, Svetodmitrivska Tserkva, uh, which is headed by, uh, by Bishop uh, Ihor, who is also our colleague because he is uh, an expert in ancient literature and he's is professor at professor, also professor at Kiev Mahil Academy at the department which where we are teaching as well, a remarkable person as well who turned mm-hmm. this church, yes, who turned this church uh, into a into a volunteer center in which people get assistance to the to the people who are suffering to the people so we are ourselves witnessed so a big line every day a big line to the church to but, get to get bread but not on, not only because what i was personally impressed is that uh, the fact you arrive into a church so you are there and and out of the blue you see a military car ukrainian military car arriving to this church and you see volunteers putting some, let's say, some important things for soldiers in the front line. And so this guy is coming to the front line directly from the church. So this is not about only about civilians. It's also about military aid. And this kind of link between church and military, it, it, it is impressive, as well as what we are talking about, about Sergei Jadan and all these uh, people from these cultural networks. I mean, not only um, poet uh, Jadan, but also people from theater, people... Uh, Um, uh, director of literature museum so all these people who are in the sphere of art of literature music theater whatever they uh, are courageous they were courageous enough to stay in the city not to leave their city and not only to stay but also to help others and to organize some kind of uh, real assistance Um, they uh, were telling the story how they were driving in this extremely dangerous Kharkiv in the in in during March or na- in April. They driving extremely fast even today. So when even you have in Kharkiv a lot of cars and it's becoming dangerous to drive so fast. They were trying to escape this constant shelling. So it's something really, really amazing and the fact that these very this this particular artists and Jadan and some other people who are uh i would i would say revolutionary in their aesthetics they're quite close to a church which is normally considered to be i don't know conservative place but it is not conservative and at the same time they're close close to military so this kind of uh, union uh, is quite impressive was very much impressive for me personally so we also brought uh, assistance to kharkiv and uh, to our listeners to our pa- patrons Let me say a, a big words of gratitude because we, we got this assistance from your donations. So we, we use basically your donations uh, not to support ourselves, but to support people who, who need this support, including the Ukrainian resistance, including those people who are in need. Uh, so keep, uh, keep, us supporting, uh, keep on supporting us, patreon.com slash ukraineworld. Uh, but uh, this cultural life is impressive because Kharkiv is a is a big cultural center, and it is so remarkable that it, its history 
it's you know for Russians it's a Russian speaking city where people really are dreaming to join Russia which is of course not the case although it is a mostly Russian speaking city despite the fact that many people are now speaking Ukrainian in 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 Kharkiv but interestingly is that uh, well now when they they have been shelling the city with grads I mean, I cannot really imagine how people in Kharkiv would want to join the Russian, the so-called Ruski Mir, the Russian world. But Kharkiv is is an impressive place for Ukrainian culture, because Kharkiv and the so-called Slobitska Ukraina, Slobozhanchina, is a. We can also say that this is a place where the concept of Ukraine was born in the early 19th century. Of course, the the word Ukraine uh, was. Uh, used in uh, in the chronicles much earlier during the medieval times but to uh, to designate uh, to designate this idea of uh, of of the country which was during the medieval times was called rus during the cossack times was called visko uh, zaporizhsky meaning the zaporozhian host zaporozhian army and and this idea was coming from the Kharkiv romantics, from the people like Kostomarov, from people like Bilozersky, Kvitko Snovyan, Kogulakov Artemovsky. All these people living in Kharkiv. Yes, and uh, Kharkiv also a place of a uh, of big university, which is older than university in in Kiev, the the Shevchenko University or Saint Volodymyr University, which is not older, of course, than Kiev Mohil Academy, but but still a very a very important. Kharkiv is a place of Grigory Skovorda as well, right? And so his museum, let us remind, was shelled several weeks ago in uh, Lozova. In Lozova, if I'm not mistaken. So this is a museum and it was a quite a de- deliberate attack against this museum because this museum is somehow isolated from other buildings. So in the, it was a missile attack. And this We is hope a, to go a, to this museum and maybe make yeah. a podcast there. Let's uh, About, let's do yeah. that. There were no victims uh, at that moment, but uh, this is a kind of this is the approach of Russian Russian army to Ukrainian culture. And this, um, yeah, and this uh, Kharkiv, uh, talking about Kharkiv as a cultural place, uh, let us also remind that in the beginning of 20th century, it was a place of this um, brilliant uh, renaissance, renaissance of uh, of culture, I mean, in, in, in literature, in theater, theater, theater Brazil, for example, in photography as well. All these people were extremely active and uh, there is also house, Slovo, Budinok Slova. This is a kind of symbolic place where many dozens of writers lived in the beginning of 20th century, for example, as Hvilovi. And this building was also touched by this artillery shelling. It's not destroyed, not at all destroyed, but some only some windows and some signs of this uh, of this war on this uh, building. Uh, so a lot of a lot of people and a lot of different generations. And Kharkiv now is a quite Quite a dynamic place. This is not a museum. Kharkiv lives its own uh, dynamic uh, cultural life, and this is uh, extremely interesting that people from culture they stayed in the city. And for example, they were talking. We were talking to people from theater, and uh, from, for example, uh, director was telling us a story as they played, they staged um, this. Um, 
surgical place in the in metro in Kharkiv metro during March and April and people were living a lot in the metro because metro is quite a secure place to live when there is shelling and they were go going down and playing I don't know every kind of concerts or plays for people who were living in the underground. Yeah, there were many, many concerts, even the rock and, concerts. And, and that's that's something that didn't happen in Kiev, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember these kind of things in Kiev. In Metro, there there were of course there concerts, were, of, course. of course, and there were even concerts with the, with the big stars who came to Kiev. Like yeah, but Bono, it was in April. It was in April. Already. Like Bono, like uh, like. Uh, uh, like some yeah, there was uh, a press others. conference of uh, Zelensky as well, but it was in April. It was not in March. I mean, it was not in the first days. So maybe maybe in Kharkiv. I, I think Vakarchuk, uh, our rock singer, who also went to Kharkiv several times, he also played. So in, this is uh, a kind of uh, resistance. Kiev. How can you can resist due to culture? So this is a we see something very symbolical and very important i mean very vital something very vital for the city so city is defending itself not only just not only to defend itself but also to protect its culture to protect its people people who are who are not afraid to stay in the, such a city and to continue what they are already doing and by the way we are organizing discussion this pen uh, ukrainian ukraine pen discussion also in the underground of the state university kind of underground which is at the same time a kind of art place art gallery mm, Yermilov Center Yermilov is also great Ukrainian Kharkiv constructivist and artist and Kharkiv constructivism is a very important thing so you can uh, look at the great building I think of Ukrainian constructivism the Dershprom or uh, Gosprom sometimes it's called Right, and it's, I mean, it's a remarkable, remarkable example of this constructivism, of this geometrical, uh, uh, geom ideal geometrical forms. I love this building so much, and, and people who are interested in the, this Kharkiv avant-garde, I hope they know it uh, too. Uh, another, for example, a famous personality in Kharkiv is Yuri Shivirov, who is one of the greatest philologists, Ukrainian philologists, uh, also the linguists, and uh, kind of a competitor to Roman Jakobson, the Russian uh, Russian linguists. And uh, you, for example, wrote once an article about Jakobson and Shevilov, uh, because Jakobson is overestimated, Shevilov is underestimated globally, in, my, in, in our opinion. But also Shevilov is a great literary critic and a great center of this renewal of Ukrainian culture, uh, literary culture nowadays, because he's a great intellectual. And now in Kharkiv, you have a, his apartment, uh, who is now turned into the literary residence. So there is a place where you can have, for, for example, discussions, you can have also concerts, little concerts. And in the Slovo uh, building, also there is a, a literary res re residence. So. There is also these places which are connected to the uh, li literature museum, Lit Musei, its director uh, Tityana Pilipchuk, who is uh, kind of also one of the drivers of this process. And it's remarkable how, how it's now living, how it's despite all this. So all those people stayed in, in the city and, and continue to this. I, I'm, I'm just fascinated by these people. And uh, I think... Uh, these people, strong people, but at the same time very culturally sophisticated, wise, educated, are, are this image of, of, of Ukraine right now.
This is the heart of this resistance. Yeah, indeed. So this was our our trip to Kharkiv, and we, we also tried to post a lot of videos on our Twitter, Twitter Ukraine World. Um, I hope you enjoyed this this episode of our pod- podcast explaining Ukraine. This is a series done uh, jointly by Ukraine World and Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Tetyano Harkova, my, myself is Volodymyr Yermolenko. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine. But if you want to support us, you can do it on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ukraine World. As we told you, we spend these donations mostly on helping people and bringing uh, aid to to places which are on the front line or which have suffered from the war and by this connecting different ukrainian cities so stay with us and stand with ukraine